Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Ripping out your summer garden to make room for the fall vegetable and flower garden? Before you stick one broccoli plant or one calendula flower in that space, you need to improve your soil. It's tired. So how do you perk it up? Soils expert Steve Zion has tips for increasing the amount of microbial activity that's taking place in your soil. And that's one of the secrets to a bountiful harvest of fruits, vegetables, and flowers. It's all on episode 45 of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. Feed your soil, the cool season garden edition. And we're going to do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Well, it's the change of seasons, kind of, and you might be ripping out your summer vegetable garden. Goodbye, tomatoes, squash, and peppers. Hello, broccoli, cauliflower, peas, and whatever. But before you add your cool season vegetables to your garden, what about your soil? That would be what my guest would tell you. Steve Zion, podologist, soil expert. We've talked before with Steve, and one of the most popular episodes in the Garden Basic series has been where he's talked about feeding your soil. And Steve, as people change over to the seasons, to cool season, just like they would change into the spring season in March or April, this time of year, you got to feed the soil because taking out plants and putting in other plants well, those new plants may be getting off to a weaker start unless you did something to the soil first. Yeah, exactly. And and you you know, you've got to realize a lot of people when they're when they're thinking about, you know, putting things down for the soil, add to the soil for feeding the plants, what we really have to realize is that the soil is alive. A teaspoon of soil contains more microscopic organisms than there are people on earth. And it's these organisms that nurture your plants. They provide water, nutrients, and even pest management. And if you've got clay soil, and I suspect a few of your listeners uh, have clay soils, uh, they, these are the organisms that create soil structure that will open up that clay soil so that water and air and, and nutrients and roots and everything can move through and function. And they actually uh, glue the sand, silt, and clay particles together and uh, create a diversity of pore spaces so that you have these large pore spaces where air will exist in the soil. Without those large pore spaces, you don't have any air, and people have a lot of problems with their soil. You know, the, the goal of, of fertilizing and amending the soil is to create this healthy soil. You, you want to feed the living soil. We want to get away from the whole idea of feeding the plant. It's, cre it's all about creating a favorable environment for the soil biology because that's what takes care of your plant. Now, most gardeners would think, okay, I'm taking out my summer vegetable garden. I know those plants used up a lot of nitrogen, so all I need to do is just add some nitrogen fertilizer and everything will be fine. In reality, if you did that, what would happen? Not much. <laughs> Um, especially depending upon what kind of fertilizer you use. What, what you just talked about, actually, when I was in ag school 3,000 years ago, 
that's what we were taught. But they did not realize at that point that this that the soil is alive and we need to, to feed the soil. And one of the things that that you have to realize is that the soil biology eat the most of is organic matter. And so you need to put in organic matter and you do that not by tilling the soil. Tilling the soil destroys the soil structure and actually ends up compacting the soil and kills the soil biology. So you, you just want to put these things on the soil surface. The, the best two things that you can put down are worm castings. Those are my favorite, especially if you've got clay soils, because they contain a lot of different kinds of soil biology. And composting, you just put it on top of the soil. And then uh, as you irrigate this time of year, because we still have to irrigate, and then later on in the season when we get rains, uh, the rains and the irrigation will work that organic matter into the soil. Uh, also, by putting that organic matter on the soil surface, worms will come up every single night and feed on that material and go back down in the morning. And they'll, they'll act as Mother Nature's rototillers. And so they're going to, you know, that organic material, the, the compost and the worm castings will eventually disappear because it's going to be going into the soil feeding the soil biology, and when you see that gone, time to add more. What is missing from soil at the end of a growing season? Nitrogen is, is certainly one of them, and so you do want to add some sort of nitrogen source. Ideally, what I like to try and recommend people do is do a soil test. Ideally, you send your soil off to a, a lab and you get a full analysis, but uh, that's more expensive and more complicated than a lot of people want to do. But you can go to your local nursery and they have soil test kits that are, are relatively accurate, accurate enough for our purposes. And they will test the nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, and the pH. And then you will need, know whether you need to add more nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, and uh, or adjust the pH of your soil. Let's explain those terms before we go any further. Uh, I, I always thought our, our, our friend uh, Giselle Schoeninger of Kellogg Garden Products always put it best when explaining the roles of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. She would say... Yeah, I like her little her little poem. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, I don't remember the poem, but for, for NPK, the three letters, it represents up down and all around that's the poem <laughs> all right nitrogen gives you leafy green growth the phos right. the phosphorus improves the root structure of the plant yes phosphorus is also though important in flower and fruit development mm -hmm. and then uh the k the potassium is basically for all around vigor and health yeah, it, it helps all of the various functions of the plant operate properly. And pH is this interesting concept. It's short for percent hydrogen, and it refers to the acidity or alkalinity of the soil, which I've tried to explain to people that for all those soil critters down there that are feeding your plants, these are the tunnels they run through to get to the plants, and the size of that tunnel for them to run through is determined by the pH of the soil. Right. And and the you know the, the, the pH where the where that funnel is widest, where the where the the plants can get the most nutrients available you know, that 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 works for them, um, is when the pH is roughly somewhere in in the vicinity of like six point two or three, um, or maybe even six four, up to about seven. 
which is or actually six point eight slightly acid to neutral, basically. Right. And the problem is that with most of our soils in this area, because I've done lots of soil tests over the years. This area being the United um, States of America? No, in, in the Sacramento oh, region. Okay. All right. Most of them. But they, they, in the Sacramento region, most of them are above 7.0. Most of them are above 7.2. And, and so that's a little alkaline, and that does restrict uh, some of the nutrients, in particular iron. Um, and, um, a lot of people in in springtime, their their leaves, especially of their acid loving plants, uh, turn yellow, and so they they will go to the local nursery and say, you know, my gardenias or my blueberries, the leaves are turning yellow, and one of the issues is that the pH is just too high and the iron isn't available. Um, in almost all of the the soil tests that I've done, again in this area. There's plenty of iron in the soil. It's just not available because the pH is too high. And so what I've been trying, um, I worked with an organization called Our Water, Our World, and we tried to educate the, the nursery folks on how to uh, minimize the use of pesticides for their clients. And um, one of the things that, we, that people were having problems with, with is this yellowing of the acid-loving plants due to the high pH. And a lot of times people would just recommend iron and the nursery folks would just recommend iron. Oh, your plants are deficient in iron. You need to add iron to your soil. And the fact of the matter is there's plenty of iron in the soil. And, and so what I tried to convince them to do is buy a pH. Don't sell them a pH test kit. Let them test the pH of, your, of their soil. And then they need to adjust the pH of their soil. So what do you add to soil to bring down that pH number? Some of the things, and, and some of these include soybean meal, which would add nitrogen. Uh, fish hydrolysate, which is similar to fish emulsion. It's just manufactured a little different. You actually get more bang for your buck. Compost made with a lot of brown material, uh, earthworm castings, and paper uh, cardboard cellulose you can you know chop that up and and just put it on the soil surface um again you're not mixing this stuff with the you know in the soil you're just putting it on mm -hmm. top you know what you're describing could also be called mulch as well so if you put yeah. a woody mulch on the surface of yep. your soil year round you're going to have a, a more balanced soil yes talk about that well, I mean, the, the, the woody material, a lot of times people, you know, get these wood chips. Um, and the, I, I really like the wood chips because they have a diversity of, of particle size. And so the, the small particles break down and enter the soil very, very quickly and start nourishing the soil biology, which then starts nourishing your plants. And then the bigger pieces last a little longer and will provide the, the cooling effect in the summertime, the warming effect in the wintertime, and conserve, help conserve uh, moisture in the soil as well. And in fact, if you keep a four-inch layer of a natural mulch like that, and that could be the chip-shredded uh, tree parts from your local arborist as well. Right, yeah. By keeping that mulch on the soil, you are feeding the soil year-round, which may mean you don't have to use as much fertilizer as you may be used to. Exactly. 
Smart Pots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots are also BPA-free. There's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots. Smart Pots breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes and they can be reused year after year. Speaking of the cold weather that's on the way, if a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the Smart Pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight fabric containers. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com Fred. We're talking with Steve Zion, podologist, soil expert, about how to improve your soil for the cool season planting time, which is upon us now. All right, so we've lowered the pH. Now, for our friends listening where soils are naturally acidic, it's a low number, and they're always dealing with, okay, how do we raise the pH to get it more towards neutral? How do you raise the pH? That's actually much easier. One thing that you can use is wood ash. Normally, for for our soils, you don't want to add wood ash because, like I said, most of our soils, the pH is too high. Right. Um, But you can also, if you're trying to raise the pH, you can use different forms of lime. Oyster shell lime and ground limestone work very, very well. There's also material called dolomite lime. And in our area, I generally don't recommend that because in all the soil tests that I did, um, most of the soils have very high to excessive amounts of magnesium. And dolomite has not only lime, but it also has magnesium. And so it's adding more magnesium to a soil that probably has too much already. So you're better off with, with the oyster shell lime. And you can get that at, at any nursery. You can also use compost that has a lot of green materials, aged or compost manures, grass clippings, but make sure to... Don't put them down thick or they will mat up. Dry them out um, first. And, well, pardon me? Pardon you? Dr- uh, let them dry <laughs> let, let them dry out but, first. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. I mean, because it's the soil biology, again, that, that, that you know, helps a lot in, in the raising of, of the, the pH or lowering the pH. It's the, the, the fungi. In the, what you're trying to do when you're trying to lower the pH, you're trying to feed the fungi because they put out acid materials when they're doing their thing. And then the, the bacteria, the excretions from the bacteria will help to raise the pH. And so you're, you're, you're basically, by adding these various things, trying to get either back, more bacteria or more fungi active in your soil. And it's all about the soil biology. Let's go back to adding ashes to the soil, which can make your soil more alkaline. Uh, right. A couple of words of warning about that, especially if uh, your soil is already near uh, neutral or or is already alkaline, is if you're going to add ash from the wood stove, you would only want to add, I believe, one pound per 100 square feet in order to bring it up gradually if if your if your ph is at i think 
before you add any wood ash, you need to test the pH. And you right. can go to your local nursery, and they sell just pH test kits. They're very inexpensive. And I would say if your pH is, is 6.7 or above, don't use wood ash. It makes a great present for your gardening friends that live back east because they have acidic soil. Mm-hmm. All right. But now having established that, what about ash from the barbecue? Depending upon what they're using, you know, if they're using, you know, the briquettes, which most people do, I certainly would not use that. Because there's other stuff in there you there's don't want to put in the soil. in there, yeah. I mean, I use mesquite in, when I barbecue. And if my pH was such that the wood ash would be appropriate, which it is not, um, I would not mind using the, that. But because my pH is high enough, I don't want to raise it anymore. I dispose of the wood ash. Basically, don't use charcoal briquette ash in your garden. Definitely not. All right. Question came in right up your alley and also pertinent to what we're talking about here. It's email from Kathy who says, I have a question about my fall planting boxes. Is it okay for them to be resting in an unwatered state? If the beds are empty, should you still be watering them? It, you know, that kind of depends. I mean, it's helpful to, you know, keep the soil biology alive and active. Um, what I would do is put down a, a, a mulch or, my, again, my favorite worm castings or compost and then, you know, water occasionally. Uh, keep that soil somewhat moist and, and active. Uh, and if you've got a, like a raised bed or a box and you've got worms in there, those would probably die. Um, most of the soil biology would, would probably go dormant, but it would take them a little while to come back. So if it's just going to be for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, I would probably keep it moist. And of course, if uh, you live in an area that gets summer rain, you don't have to pay attention to what we're saying. But if if you live in an area where it never rains in the summertime or it's so seldom that people take a holiday when it happens, basically uh, it it needs to get moistened and fairly thoroughly moistened, too. I don't think a drip system in a raised bed turned on is going to thoroughly saturate the soil. I think you'd be better off setting up a sprinkler inside of it and thoroughly saturating the soil that way. And if you if it's been dry for any length of time, at least a week or so before you plant your cool season crops, man, oh man, put that sprinkler on and, and, and let it water. Yeah. And, and make sure that that water has penetrated uh, the full depth of the bed or at least 8 to 12 inches. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I think if you've got your drip system set up properly, that the drip system will work just fine. It's just you've got to make sure to leave it on long enough so that that water, you know, penetrates throughout that entire box. It depends, as you would know, on the consistency of the soil. If it's a really right. loose, friable potting mix straight out of the bag that's in your raised beds, there's very little cross motion in that soil. And if you have drip emitters, it's going to be a very narrow cylinder that descends into the soil. Whereas in a garden bed that's comprised of sand, silt, and clay, that footprint of water from each emitter is going to be probably twice as wide as what it would be in a raised bed. Yeah, yeah. What you want to do when you when you whenever you irrigate, I mean, it's the only way to, in my opinion, to know how to irrigate, when to irrigate, how how much to irrigate, and for which is basically how long, and whether if you're using a drip system, whether you're getting good coverage, and that's to dig into your soil. 
and in in your garden um, and landscape where you're dealing with soil, uh, I think a soil probe is probably the better tool to utilize in a raised bed. They've got a, what's called a soil sleuth. Um, both of them are available online. And the soil, and basically, what you do is you put you push these things in the ground, you pull them out, and there will there will be soil in these tools, and you will actually be able to look at them and feel them to find out whether they are moist. And by shoving them in various places after you're done irrigating, you will be able to see whether you're getting good coverage, like we were just talking about throughout that raised bed. And if not, then you're going to want to, you know, apply it over the top, like you were saying. The soil salute. <clears throat> do that again, Fred. Sleuth. Thank you. <laughs> the soil sleuth is an interesting contraption. It is so simple to look at. It is ingenious in its design. It looks like a red yeah. candy cane. It's got notches. Yeah. It's got notches along the inside of the long arm, and basically, you just plunge that candy cane into the ground, give it a quarter turn, lift it out, and there are little pockets of soil on each of those notches that you can feel. Yeah, it's it's very very cool, and it works really really well in loose soil. If you're putting it in the into clay garden soil, it, you'll break it. Um, and and soil I, sleuth, if you want to send me some money, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I use both. I use both the soil sleuth and the and the soil probe. Okay, explain how the soil probe works. Soil probe basically is a tube, and uh, a, a portion of the side of it is like an open window. And you push that in the ground, you give it a little twist, and pull it out. And you will see, you know, the whole thing will be, the whole column of soil will be there. And you will be able to see whether the, the soil is moist at various depths, as far down as you you pushed it in. And so, what I generally generally tell people is, you use this the soil probe to make sure before you irrigate that the soil is dry enough where it merits irrigation. Because one of the biggest problems people have in areas where you have to irrigate a lot in in, in the summertime because they don't get rain is they irrigate too frequently, and so the soil stays too wet, especially in, like, the Sacramento area where we get hot, sun, sunny days. The surface of the soil, if you water in the morning, by the time you get home from work, that surface soil, if you don't have a mulch on, will be bone dry, and people always think, oh, I need to irrigate again. But if you were to, to use your soil probe, you would find that when you go down an eighth of an inch and that soil is probably moist, if not wet. And so it will, by putting it in the ground and pulling it out, it will indicate when the soil is dry enough to merit irrigation. Then how much irrigation do you need? I tell people typically water half as long as you normally do. Wait an hour, give gravity the chance to pull it down as far as it's going to go. Push the soil probe in the ground again, pull it out, and you will see how far down that, that water has penetrated. And if it's gone down four inches and you're, the roots of your plants are going down eight inches, you've got to double the amount of water. It does require a little bit of math. <laughs> We've learned a lot again from Steve Zion, podologist, soil expert. Steve, thanks for your time. Uh, you're welcome. It's been fun. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, uh, like you had something else you wanted to say. Uh, well, I do have a, a webinar <laughs> that, that people might be interested in. When is it? When is uh, that, Mister Shill? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a water smart foundation, healthy soil, happy landscape workshop 
that the uh, the city of Citrus Heights Water District sponsored. And it's, you know, basically talking about a lot of the things that we've been talking about today. And uh, you can go to organiclandscape.com and click on the news and the events, and it's listed there. Um, or you can go to the Citrus Heights uh, Water District's uh, website and click on event, their events link, and you'll find it there as well. Is this open to anybody that lives in the United States of America? Uh, the entire universe. Okay. All right. Not just planet Earth. So my listeners in Bulgaria? Sure. Learn something from Citrus Heights. Yeah. Go to Steve's website, organiclandscape.com. Where's it? Landscapes. I always forget. Organic Landscape, no S. Okay. And then click on the News and Events link. There you go. And you can find out, and, and you can watch it right away. Yeah. All right. Steve Zion, thanks very much. It's been great. I appreciate it. got a quick tip for you from Don Shore of Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis, California. Maybe you're at the nursery and you can't resist a bargain and you notice those six packs of vegetables or flowers. Well, they may be a bargain, but they won't be a bargain if you take it home and you let them sit in those six packs. Don Shore says, maybe while you're at the nursery, pick up some empty four-inch pots and some good potting soil, and then when you get home, move them on up to those bigger pots in better soil, and you'll have a healthier transplant in two or three weeks. Well, just this morning, I took some six packs of Napa cabbage that were fully rooted in and I didn't want to put them in the ground yet. So I shifted them up into four inch pots just so to get them up to another little stage, two to four weeks of growth before they go in the ground. Keep them growing. Keep them moving. Don't don't let them sit around in those packs and get root bound. So go ahead and do that extra step, putting them in a reasonable quality potting soil in a four inch pot. The plants will be growing and vigorous when you put them in the ground. And of course, those plastic four inch pots are reusable. However, before you reuse it, give it a thorough cleaning. That way you won't transfer any soil-borne diseases to your new crops. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.